Uh, welcome to Spirituality. We've got Cameron Straw, Rhett Snell, Melissa Oliveros, and Kiara Marquez here today. And what's cool about this is uh, we're talking to some people who are younger today. Now, I know some of us out there like to hear old people talk about things, but I'll take care of the old stuff. And we've got four people here who are going to talk and speak really from a mindset of a, a new generation of people who haven't been around church a long time, uh, didn't necessarily grow up in church, which is always good. I didn't. And uh, I think it's going to give us a fresh look. And today we're going to talk about the heart, but we're going to talk about having a rebel heart. Have you ever thought about that? You know, have you guys ever thought about that? I want you to be thinking about that as we get ready to dive in the podcast. Have you ever been rebellious? <laughs> Just flat out rebellious. Have any of you ever been rebellious? Definitely. All right. Well, get, uh, tell me a story. Tell oh, me a story, man. Cameron. Give me, give me a short story. I'm not, I, <laughs> yeah. you, you're looking like you got so many to choose from. I got you don't a lot know of stories. I mean, there. I mean, the earliest time I was rebellious that's on film actually we always watch this oh like, really <laughs> yeah it's like we it's, it's like just film. it just shows like who I was gonna be I guess when I was like three years old I think my sister was born and you know she's they're bathing her in the sink okay and um Makes sense. I'm like I think we need some more water in there okay and my but I'm saying to like a little kid and my mom's like no we don't need any more water in there <laughs> and then I just I look I look back at the thing and I just turn on the faucet like on my sister try to turn it on and then you know, but that's just like, she's still around, right? Yeah. You, she's, you still, did, she's still, she's still, she's still fine. But, <laughs> but that's just like the quintessential, like I just was, your mom the, said, don't you did. Yeah. Just from the very beginning, man. from the very beginning, anything, born into rebellion, it, 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 anything from you, right? Or were you just a really good kid? No, I mean, I, I, the thing that came to mind right away was, was going to high school. My mom wanted me to go to this private, um, this Ooh. private high school, uh, religious high school. And I wanted to go to a public high school with all my friends. Yeah. So we went there and I like purposefully, I mean, a lot of it, I was just insecure and afraid to make friends, but sure. I came home every day and let her know, I hate this school. I don't want to go there. I well, hate so this school. Got, I don't okay, want to go there. Put me in the situation. So you're coming home from, did you take a bus home from school? Uh, Walk? no, she, she'd usually pick me up or she, my stepdad pick me up. Okay. So they pick you up from school uh -huh. and when did you start with the hate thing? Did you wait till you got home, got something to eat? Did you start right away with the hate thing? I really uh, want to get I'd, in there. I'd pretty much just be silent. Like, I would oh, just okay. be silent. I'd get in the car. Teenager, I wouldn't right? say anything. Yeah. All and right. then it'd be like, how was school today? It was whatever. <laughs> and then I just... Were go, you looking straight ahead or were you looking to the side? Straight ahead. <laughs> so you're using, ahead. The, you're using the silent, straight ahead, total disconnection from punishing <laughs> the parent. Yeah. Punish. yeah. If you're out there, parents of teens, listen to this. Red's telling you something. <laughs> One technique is the straight ahead silent punishment of the parent for whatever they're asking them to do. Make the parent suffer. So how long was the ride home? Uh, probably 20 minutes or so. So 20 minutes of suffering for the parent. Yeah. Now, when you got in the house, did you, did you ever verbally say, I hate the school? Uh, whenever she, whenever we talk about, uh, going to the school next year, or I'm going to take you to this practice or, or whatever, I, I, Whenever I wanted to hang out with my friends outside who yeah. didn't go to the school, also, yeah. why don't you hang out with your friends at school? I don't know. I don't want to hang out with them. I don't know anyone. And I just, even you, though I had friends, I just made it sound like I was totally alone all the time. Did you ever win? Yeah, because the next year I went to a different school. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so that encouraged you that rebellion works. A little bit, yeah. A yeah, little, yeah. Bit, little bit. Now, some people and out there so say. so does $20,000 a year for school. I mean, <laughs> hey, I was so like, does a little right. savings of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that one. I get that one. All right, Melissa, were you a good kid? Would you do everything your parents wanted? Um, sometimes, but there were definitely times. One that came to mind was when I was in middle school. We had text message limits. And I would always go over. It was only like 250 incoming oh, yeah. and ongoing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember and that. So <laughs> when you want to talk to someone like and have a good conversation, I always went over and then my mom would be so mad at me. And like, yeah. And you knew you weren't supposed to go over. Yeah. But you just went ahead and said, hey. Yeah, I just did what it. What did you think? They can handle it. They can afford it. Or you're just thinking, I got to talk. I got to finish the conversation. Yeah, I got to talk. All right. Got to talk. All right. And this is good because a lot of you guys just came back from teen camp. So it's fresh in your mind what rebellion looks like. But, you know, Melissa dates me because we didn't have any phones in our classrooms <laughs> when I was in school. Certainly didn't have any text. You know, a text was a note written on paper. Passed through five, group, <laughs> five, five classmates. You passed it. That was a text. All right, Carrie, were you a good kid or you know, whatever. No, I mean, the story I thought of is kind of embarrassing. Like I, I just was defiant for no reason. Like, it, okay. So one time I really wanted, it was when Shrek came out. I was in middle school. Shrek. Like, yeah. Just Shrek. But I just really wanted to go watch the movie. I didn't actually really care that much, but just because my parents said no, I was like, they said, no, we must make this happen. I like made a, maybe I was in fifth. I hope I was younger. I want to say 
It, I doesn't, wasn't. it doesn't matter. The story's but, good. Okay, so I made like a sign and I had a little picket fence like a, a, like on a pole. I was like, we need to go. We need to go. I was like relentless. I'm <laughs> no, like, no, we where were you have with to the go. Sign at? Um, just right on our patio, just back and forth. Like, did you get anybody to join you? No, it was by myself. I, I, I'm sensing this was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sensing, Cameron. I'm getting a sense. She was in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I'm getting a sense. This was yesterday at her parents' house. You know. No. Okay, and so you you were you were protesting early. Yeah, I was. I, yeah, over yeah, a movie. That's incredible. So one of the reasons I want to talk about it is because I think sometimes. You know, I appreciate you guys digging on in there because I know that not all of you are, you know, legit licensed, you know, rebellers like Cameron, who's, you know, <laughs> was inducted into the Rebellion Hall of Fame and has oh, given his whole speech and everything else. Thank you. I think you got in there before you were age 15, didn't yeah. you? They brought they called you up and said, come to Springfield near the NBA Hall of Fame. And there's a there's a Rebellion Hall of Fame. <laughs> and then you got your picture in there, a little black. <laughs> and that only film was running of you and your sister, yeah. you know. Of the only rebel left that's alive. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I would have made it out. I was pretty. I was a pretty conformist kid, you know. But I did it to get what I wanted. But I. So I. I don't know that. I mean, my friends might say I was, but I was. I was pretty conformist. So I didn't. At least I didn't rebel outwardly. I did inwardly. I always wanted to do what I wanted to do inwardly. But one of the things that concerns me most in my own life has, and concerns me most about hmm. people that are you know, trying to become Christians or, or Christians is, a lot of times we don't deal with the heart. And so I want to talk about that because yeah. you know dealing with the heart takes time. You know, and a lot of us want to hurry up and get things. You know, we go to we go to restaurants where we can get it quick. We go to, you know, to a store where we can check out quick. We order on Amazon so we can get it quick. Mm-hmm. We want the least hassle. You know, we don't visit our bank. You know, that, believe it or not, you guys are all younger, but it used to be. A, my dad, I, I grew up in Kansas. I mean, I was born in Kansas. I didn't grow I grew up in Michigan, but um, I um, my dad would always go to the bank. And I think it was Bank of America uh, back in the day in Kansas. But it was a unique thing because uh, it was where they herded the cattle onto the uh, trains to ship the beef wherever it was going to go. Oh, live cattle. Good. So this was in the days when, you know, uh, you could leave your kid in the car by himself and you didn't have to worry about anything. And so my dad would go, hey, you know, you just hang out here till I go in the bank. And, and, and so he would for me, he would always park, uh, you know, right in front of the um, right in front of the, the train. So while I was sitting there, I could watch the cattle be. And so you would see the cattle herded in and getting on of the carriage and, and, and making all their noises and making all their sounds and, and all that kind of thing. And, um, but from the very earliest days, um, uh, I, I, I mean, so the very earliest days, I always was sort of a person who uh, did what I was told, uh, followed direction, and sort of just went along to get what I wanted. Um, and as I watched my life, evolve one of the things i would have never said was that my heart is in rebellion i would have said i'm a good person and i'm i'm trying to do the right thing and it's not in rebellion uh and one of the great concerns i have today is that most people that are kind of going to church think that they're pretty much trying to do the right thing which i think they are behaviorally and Mm -hmm. i grew up trying to behave right and that was a big thing in my home behave right there were words you couldn't say i mean uh, lie was considered a swear word in my house. So you had to say fib. So there were all these things behaviorally that it did. So when I first became a Christian, you know, at 19, I figured out what's the code and said, I need to behave. Um, and what I see with most people is in, invariably, even if you come in looking at the heart, you, you start to behave. And, and what we want to do actually is get to know our real heart and figure out what parts of our heart are rebellious because those parts of our heart are the ones that we need God to help us break down. They're the ones that are ultimately going to keep us far from God. And most of the time we don't think about relationship with God in that way. We don't, um, we don't have that, that sort of, I don't know, childlike trust that um, even if I'm not in control, I'm going to, um, I'm going to be taken care of and everything's going to be okay. Um, most of us have some level of experience of that when we're young, like I was watching the little cattle go into the train where your, your parents take care of you. They put you, they tell you where to go and you feel safe, you feel secure and you feel happy. But at some point along the way, 
we start going, it's not enough to look at the train and the cattle. I want to do more. And that's when we start to break with both our parents and to a degree God. Now I'm not saying our parents write about everything, but this isn't a, this isn't a podcast about uh, psychology. It's a podcast about a, a rebel heart. One of the things that was going on while I was a little kid, I didn't watch it was a movie called rebel without a cause with a guy named James Dean, 1955. And it's all about teen angst and, and, and rebellion. And it was, it was mm-hmm. a very popular movie at the time. There have been other popular movies like that. If I were to compare James Dean to somebody today, at least in the, 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 the I don't know if any of you guys are old enough to remember Even Stevens, the television yeah, yes. show. Okay, Shia, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. 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 To me, he's like James Dean. Yeah. And, 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 and what's really cool, he's coming out with a movie, by the way. Yeah. Do you remember it's the name a, of that movie? Yeah. Um, oh, man. Uh, Can you look that up for us, Nathan? Oh, man. I, Find that movie. It's a, it's a, Peanut, Peanut. Peanut something, yeah. and it's about him and a Down syndrome kid. Oh. Really, yeah, really yeah. cool. Peanut Butter Falcon. Peter Butter Falcon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, we, we gotta, we'll talk about that maybe on one of our other podcasts later. So but I don't know what, but Shia LaBeouf yeah. reminds me of him. And in Even Stevens, I used to watch that. I was obviously older, and uh-huh. you know my kids were, were, were watching it, but he was so rebellious and so all over the place. Um, I, I, that's what I want to talk about. Now, I think that a lot of rebellion comes from guilt. And that guilt taints our relationship with God, and it makes us rebellious. Did any of you in your life ever make that connection or think that's true? I don't need you to agree, but did you ever think part of the reason that I can be rebellious or all the reason I can be rebellious is guilt? You, you don't have to agree or even say you did, but have I you ever thought did. that? I never thought okay. that. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was that was new for me. Okay, I started thinking about. I was like, wait, what am I? What I'm rebelling? What, okay. what am I guilty about? All right, all right, <laughs> yeah. all right, all right. All right. Huh? No, no, I didn't think that. I thought it was just an emotion. Like I'm like, oh, I just don't feel like doing this. Like I didn't ever right, think right. it was guilt. And again, it's not it's not holistic. Meaning, it's not obviously right. we're yeah. rebellious for other reasons. But I think the one that we don't look at enough is guilt. Yeah. And so um, I want to take a minute and go through some scriptures here, and then we'll we're going to look at the parable of the talents. And one of the things for all of us out there is, I, I think most people uh, struggle to believe they have talent. Have you, have you guys ever sat down and thought, I don't know if I'm good at anything? Yeah. Really? I always thought I was really good at a lot of things. And it's true. And it's true. You're just waiting for the rest of the world yeah, to figure exactly. it out. Exactly. Well, a guy like you just got to be patient Story and let it, kind of, let it kind of unfold let it and be revealed. Until you become yes. discovered. You just, you're just patient with people who don't understand. Yeah. You yeah. go, sooner or later, you'll see my greatness. Uh, later. What's it, what's it like to sit around? I'm not saying I didn't wonder, but what's it like to to... to to not know what you're good at or wonder if you're good at anything. What's it feel like? I think it feels lonely and confusing. Like you're like, well, why am I here? And what am I even like, what can I do? Right. And how will people want to be, why would anyone want to be my friend if I'm not good at anything? I think I I wrestled with that a lot. Cool. So tried to, I tried to make it look like I had more talent than I did. I feel like through high school, like, let me make it. You think you know your talents now? Like if I said to you, could you list out what your, what your talents are? Would you know? No, I think I could give you a couple, but but I wouldn't say like here's my strengths, here's my weaknesses. I understand myself. All right, cool. No, I feel angry. Like I think I struggle with this a lot, and then I go to like a lot of anger because I'm like I'm just not good at anything, and I will either compare myself to other people, and then what I end up doing is just actually similar to right, like pretending, like hey, let me just try to be good at one thing, even though I feel completely insecure, and it might not even be like the thing that I'm actually that good at. So yeah. I'm just like. I don't know. You I mean the, like... what, the, you're pretending to be good at something you're not that good at? Yeah. Even? Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Well, see, I think that's why Jesus ta- t- tells the parable of the talents. Because yeah. he talks about, well, we'll just read it, Matthew 25, 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Now, one of the things you want to note here is that they're they're his servants. And some people get bent out of shape about that in our new pe- er, period and era of political correctness where, you know, you, you, I don't know, some words are going to be erased from the English lexicon, but we'll stick with it. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So these, this guy was wealthy and he said, hey, I'm going to share some of my wealth with you and let you put some, some of this to work. In verse 15, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So you got one guy who gets five, one guy who gets two and the final guy gets one and you know that's the one maybe that we struggle with is being the one bag guy or the one bag lady uh, what we do with our talent is up to us 
And so everybody's got one. That's the thing you learn first. Everybody has talent. I actually think you need to spend time figuring out what you're good at. I also think as you age, you find out you're good at something that you maybe didn't originally know you were good at. Mm -hmm. So you might start out, you know, thinking, hey, I'm really good at math. But later on, you may find out you're a brilliant writer. I think people evolve. And so you don't want to get stuck. You know, you may have been taking violin lessons all your life, but then you find out that you're a tremendous football player. So these things you, you can evolve. It's not like it's not like it's set and it's done. But I do think it's important for every human being and every Christian to figure out what am I good at and how am I going to use that talent. In Matthew 25, verse 16, it says, The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. What stands out to you guys in this passage with regard to the idea of talent, being serving, selfish, just your own lives. Does anything stand out? Anything come to mind? I don't care what it is, just anything. Tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch, but I think the the fact that, you know, um, I think I can be somebody who's talented, but I didn't put it to work. Like, and I think it's it's been something that I took for granted and, and even wrote off my talents. But right. It's kind of like, so I can relate to both in a sense. I yes. think I relate to the the one servant that, didn't do anything with it. Yeah. And then also having, but I think I had a few. Yeah. But I think at the same time, I wasn't grateful for it. Didn't, didn't do much with it. Um, and I think that's kind of, um, like, I think when everyone was saying, oh, you know, I felt like I didn't have any talent. I yeah. think, I think I felt more like that later in my life because I didn't do much with what I had. I felt way more confident as a kid. Yeah. And then I've gotten older, haven't done as much with them. Um, or, you know, certain ones that I went after, like I was, I remember when I was a teen, I thought I was a, you know, I was pretty good at rhyming, rapping. I tried to rap for a <laughs> yeah, few years yeah. mm-hmm. and then I, and then I ran into people that were way better at rapping and I just like put the whole thing down, yeah. but, but that was, you know, there was a few years in rapping. You could have been J. Cole and you missed it. Yeah. So I, I tried a few different paths that just JK. weren't, you know, did not pan out. And, uh, and so now I'm looking at like, okay, well I did that one, tried that one. You know, um, but it's not like I went all in on on something either. Yeah. So it's just interesting that I think uh, uh, in my in my life it makes me think about um, how some things I didn't I didn't really just all right, put so the work Cam- in. This is Cameron talking. I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you think that some of it can be because of the motivation? Meaning, yeah. the question I'm putting before us here is, what do you do with that talent? One right. guy got five. One guy got two. The other guy yeah. got one. But if you're selfish versus yeah. serving, do you think that has anything to do with our ability to maximize our talent, our motives? Uh, completely. I mean, I think I was, I'm, I'm still really selfish, right? So mm-hmm. I think there were certain talents that were brought up to me, like leadership ability, for instance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, oh, be the captain of the team. And I was like, okay. And I didn't, I didn't lead the team. Yeah. I just like didn't do it. Didn't yeah. step up. Yeah. Um, And I think, I think so most of my pursuits and so when I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, most of everything I've done has been very self-motivated, very self-gratified, like, oh, I'm going to feel really good if I do this. I'm going to get praise if I do this. Maybe I'll make money. See, I I think for your generation and there, you know, let's let's just talk about the the generation of people that probably will relate. Anyone can relate to what you guys are talking about, Mm -hmm. I think. But there's a generation out there, let's say, between the ages of 15 and 33. There's a group out there like that that I think don't understand how much ability they have and how much they can be doing to change the world around them. And it's important that they listen and that all of us really listen because I'm reading a book by Rich Carlgaard called Late Bloomers, and it speaks to people who bloom late. And he talks a lot about the fact that one of the problems we have in society is we have these markers where we say, once you're done with middle school, you ought to be here. Once you're done with four four years of high school, you ought to be here. Once you're done with four years of college, you ought to be here. And what it does is it discourages anybody who doesn't stay on that track. When some people don't mature completely till later, in fact, I think one of the statistics or one of the research things he quotes, I can't remember if it was him or someone else I read, said that most people really don't form their maturity of mind until they get to about 25. Mm -hmm. And so we're asking people to be like phenomenally capable of managing themselves in an age when they're not. And that's some people are going to just be really great later in life. We look at uh, Lincoln. He didn't win anything. Abraham Lincoln. He was 54 or 52 to 54 when he became president. I mean, that's late because a lot of people died pretty quick even then. <laughs> uh, Winston Churchill, he had to wait till he was 65 to become prime minister. It was his dream. 
Yeah. Total dream. He came out of the he came out like major successful right away as he was young and then major failure, just a pit failure. There's a book by William Manchester called Alone about Winston Churchill. And basically it's about the period he spent in total failure where nobody believed in him. Nobody wanted him to be a leader. People criticized him. That's his whole life. It's one of my favorite books. It's like just the title is simply called Alone. And then after that, he blows up and becomes prime minister and leads England and the world to defeat Hitler. So I think sometimes what happens is even the people out there who maybe you're 45, 55, 65, we stop looking and saying, hey, do I have an untapped talent? Mm-hmm. Do I have a talent I never used? I'm going into retirement. Maybe now's the time to not think about my job, but to think about what talent will I use in order to be able to make a difference. And so when Melissa, when you're thinking about, I know you just graduated from college, so you just finished one of those legs. When you think about motive for using your talent. Now you're a very good artist. I know that. So when you've got motive for using your talent, have you ever thought my motive for using the talent will determine how effectively I use the talent? Or is that a completely new thought? And if so, what do you think about that? Um, Well, I think in college, um, once I got in my graphic design program, I think it was harder to, um, I don't know, because it was just like a time where like, because I was for a long time, like before I got into the program, I was usually better than the people around me. Yeah. And then once I got in the program, everyone was like, I felt like was better than me or like had a different strength that I didn't have. And right. then I think like, then I was like, oh man, I need to like, this is like the one thing that I feel like I'm good at. Yeah. So I feel like, oh, I need to like beef up so that I can be at their level. Otherwise, I'm like, this is the only thing I'm good at. Then like, that means like I have nothing. Like there's, you know, so I think that drove a lot of my selfish ambition of like, you know, I have to be the best or like, you know, that means like I'm, I don't belong here or right. like, yeah, like, I don't know. And I want to probe that a little bit because I know all of you work with teenagers a little bit. Do you ever, because what you're talking about is very interesting to me. Do you ever find that, that the kids get discouraged because they see other kids that are better than them and then they kind of give up and don't want to push through and like not everybody does what you do gets, you know, I know selfish ambition is considered wrong, but let's put that aside for a minute. Mm -hmm. Not everybody goes, I'm going to be ambitious and driven and I'm going to go, go get this. I think some people quit. Do you guys ever notice that with kids that they're giving up and quitting because of that? What you're shaking your head. So what are you thinking? Yeah. Um, I see it in some of the teens. I think, um, a lot of like, I think appearance, like that can be a huge thing. Like, Oh, this girl like has this and this, like, you know, I know that it was for me at least. Right. Um, yeah. If they had something better than I was like, Oh, I need to have that or I'm not as good as them. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think it's big when they enter high school because kind of like what she was saying, they get there and they realize, Oh, this is a little bit harder. Okay. And I think if they don't succeed, uh, at the beginning, like the first semester yeah. and they start to fail, they'll kind of just quit. Yeah. Like I've seen it with multiple different kids where they just go, I guess I'm going to summer school. I can't do this. Maybe I should go to a different school. Maybe I should. And they start kind of like, they just kind of give up on themselves a lot. That's very interesting. What do you think, Kara? Well, I was thinking like, I think they, when they compare themselves to other kids that have like all this extraordinary talent, they quit. Like I, I was, I'm selfishly ambitious and I can do that. But I also have the other, like, if I were with Melissa in that program, I'd be like, oh, Melissa's way better at this. I'm going to quit and use a di- go to a different program or something, like, do something else. And I think a lot of the teens do that. They see someone who's really good at something, and they think, like, that means she's completely better than me in all these other ways. I'm not even going to try to do whatever it is that she's doing. You know what's interesting about that is do you think it's possible that one of the things we have to think a lot more about with kids that are younger and with people in general is that we have to make sure they don't give up on something that is a talent? Like, you know, you stayed in the program and kept working at it, Melissa. How, I wonder how many kids give up on a talent they actually have because they met somebody else who's better. When I went to college, I had the same thing. I went in there and thought, hey, I'm one of the smartest people in the world. And I walked in the class. I was like, oh, got a little problem right here. There's some guys smarter than me. What am I going to late g- girls and guys smarter than me? What am I going to do? And and I, I, I don't know that I got social ambitious, but, I you know, I settled in and I was fine. I was like, I, you know, went back to the same old pride I always had. But I I worry a lot about two things that people don't know their abilities yeah and number two that they get discouraged when they first start trying to develop those abilities and they throw them out yeah i've seen kids do it in sports a lot because they don't have success right away they go i'm no good at it and they quit here's the trick then later on when they get to be an adult you know like they're in college they start playing basketball and it turns out they're really, really, really good. Who's that guy? Uh, Nathan's our producer. Who's that guy that's the forward for uh, Portland, uh, the Nigerian kid? Um, I'm not Portland. I'm sorry, Toronto. Oh, Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam. I mean, this kid didn't even play basketball. From, he's a, Yeah, until 16 years old. 
in Cameroon. So the kid doesn't play basketball. Pascal Siakam. The kid doesn't play basketball until he's 16 years old, and he ends up being the most improved player in the NBA this year. I, th- I think he won it. Yeah, most improved player in the NBA and helping significantly his team beat the better team, the Warriors, because they were injured, but helping his team win. And I think a lot of kids, we can give up on them. We can even give up on adults and go, I'm finished. And even for a lot of you who are out there, maybe you're driving, you're listening, sit down for just a minute. Like, sit, no, seriously, sit down, get a piece of paper out, and write down your talent. Mm-hmm. Write down your ability. Don't write anything negative. Mm-hmm. Just sit there and make a list of at least 10 things you're good at. I don't care how minor they are. Make a list of at least 10. Do you think guys could do that? At least 10 things you're good at? It doesn't matter how little it is. You may say, I'm good at waking up in the morning. That's great. Let's (laughs) go with that. Because that means you're a morning person, and that is a unique gift to have. To be a morning person, to get a start before everybody else, you can do a lot of people are successful because they're morning people. Um, But get some things down that you can look at and say, I'm good at this, and then ask yourself a question. Are there any of these that I've not bothered to use because the whole parable of the talents is about are you using your talents you know what rat it's not about how many you get the whole parable is about are you using it you think it's something yeah well i guess i'm just trying to connect with with what we're talking about with the teens and so i guess i'm stuck i guess maybe it's related to the scripture but how do we teach them like there's value in using their talent even if you aren't the best like are you saying like from the scripture because you you get more talent by using your talent well, that, I don't know. I mean, that's probably that's probably true. Yeah. Um, but I think your question is, and uh, your question is, like, how do you motivate someone yeah, to use their talent I, when they're not the best at the talent? Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess when I was growing up, like, no one ever really like because I felt embarrassed as we started the conversation. I'm like, man, I've never even thought about using my talent. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't remember anyone talking to me about yeah. it. And so there's a lot of kids who have talents, but then, like we said, they get discouraged because they're not well. I'm going to be on the bench on my team. Yeah. You know, I don't, maybe that doesn't make basketball a talent, but it, it could still be a talent. So how do we encourage them like to use their talent if they, if they're feeling like, Oh, I'm not going to be the best. Well, okay. So let's go back to what the scripture's talking about, because I think that's our best guide. The yeah. scripture's point is it doesn't matter how many you've got. And the scripture says nothing about being the best. Mm-hmm. The scripture is just saying, use it. Yeah. So if you're the 400th best golfer in the world, first of all, that's pretty good. But, uh, second, use it. So I sat the bench in high school. But when you're in a school of 2,000 kids and you're one of only 15 who's on the team, and when you consider that there are probably, I forget the number of high schools, but there are not many kids who play high school basketball. So it's an achievement just to make the team. Now, what happens? When you're on the team, you're getting better and better at a skill. Now, there are going to be people better than you, but what happens is that you learn how to be on a team. That's served me well in life. And there have been times in my life where people who have not necessarily been better than me have been ahead of me because p- things are subjective and not always fair and sometimes political. And so they may get opportunities I don't get. They may get uh, a favored, favored, favored in a way that I don't get favored. That doesn't mean you're better at me. That means you have an opportunity. That means you're fortunate. That means, you know, whatever happened, happened. And so I don't, I, 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 the way I look at it is I learn to be on a team. So now it allows me whatever role I have, whoever I am on the team, I can be happy because I'm still maximizing my talent. And there's our sentence. The key in life is to maximize your talent, not be the best to be the best you can be. Larry Bird, that great ball player, Larry Legend, used to always say, I'm not competing against any other basketball players. I'm competing to be the best I can be. So I think Jesus is saying the same thing. He makes no notation about whether you're good because you have five, two, or one. And he makes no notation about, hey, make sure you're the best. Now, he did that before because he tells a story, I think, in John 2, about the parable of the wedding and the wine. And, and it says they saved the best for the last. The wine Jesus made was the best. So it's not like he's afraid to talk about being the best. But in this passage, he's got one central focus. Everybody's got talent. Now the question is, are you going to use it? That's the only question. Are you going to use it? And so it's a really great question. And I think that helps us because let's say a kid kid says, um, you know, I really like football. Um, and uh, he's not good enough to make the team. Well, guess what? He can be the manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That means he knows about football. He can help his friends. In fact, I remember watching a long time ago. Um, um, it was an old Phoenix team 
with uh, Mike Bibby on it and a bunch of other guys. I forgot what year that was. Uh, Nathan could put a link to it in the in the show notes. But on that team, there was a kid on the bench who was always t- chosen by the coach to help the starters with their free throws because he was really good. He almost never played. He's now a Division One coach, coaching one of the one of the better teams. I forgot where he went. So what I'm saying is. Did he not? Did he not? Did he, was he not the best? No, he wasn't the best. But did he maximize his talent? Yes, he did. And I think a lot of people out there are discouraged because they're like, "Well, I'll never be Mark Zuckerberg. I'm never going to be president." Well, we've only had like, you know, whatever. <laughs> what president are we on now? Is this fifty? I forgot what number this is. Um, I don't really. Care, but it's under sixty. Yeah. You're talking about in the whole three hundred plus years of this country, there's only been sixty guys that do the job. Mark Zuckerberg. There's only been like one of them. So I think the problem is we're targeting people that are once in a lifetime people. I want to be the next Michael Jordan. Well, there's not going to be a next Michael Jordan. And so, but can I be the best me and maximize my talent? That's the key. And I think Jesus is trying to get that across. Pardon the interruption to the podcast, but we want to let you guys know something new that's going on on the deepspirituality.net website. Music speaks to the soul and helps us express parts of ourselves that are too deep for words. Through music, we can understand and express our sadness, anger, happiness, insecurities, and so much more. Through music, we can go from feeling overwhelmed by anxiety to calm and at peace with God. So this month, we've launched a new playlist, a new Spotify playlist to get you into your feels. All right, and I have Parker and Alexis here to tell us just very briefly, what is the new playlist called? Our new playlist is called I'm Feeling Anxious. Anxious. And so that's when, you know, you're feeling a little nervous. Maybe you feel stressed about something and you need to be at peace and calm. Yeah, it's really good. A lot. I mean, I feel anxious all the time and there's lots of good music. There's some Kendrick on here, some Drake, Mm. some... I don't remember who Other else is people. on. Julie Michaels, Selena. There's mm. a lot of good people on here, but it's a good progression from being anxious and all these kind of thoughts and feelings that you can have. And then to the end, realizing like the grand scheme of things and being able to get through that anxiety. I've list- literally listened to this when I feel anxious, like throughout, and it helps. Like, I literally, yeah. the best part of this is being able to listen to it. Yeah. And it, it helps to even see from God's perspective how He can help you be at peace and get that from a musical perspective. Awesome. Thank you guys for letting us know. Again, that's the I'm Feeling Anxious Spotify playlist. You can find it on deepspirituality.net. All right, back to the show. I think the key to maximizing your talent is motive. If I just want to do it for myself, I'll tell you what, most people are going to burn out because self isn't, I mean, self is not enough reason to keep going. Helping other people, serving God, those are reasons to keep using your talent. Notice what the one bad guy does in Matthew 25, 16 and 19. What does he do with his talent? Did you guys notice it? Yeah, it's not highlighted he, up there, but you might have noticed it. He goes and he hides it away. He hides his talent. Yeah. What do you think that's about? You guys have been talking about it. What do you think that's I mean, about? I think it's just being afraid, being... No, no, remember what we were talking about earlier? You were, you were talking about it. You were talking about it. Is you, you, you kind of start thinking about giving up and quitting. Oh, uh, well, yeah. They yeah. Can, yeah. Hiding your talents, not using it. Yeah. Right. It's saying everybody else is better than me. Why should I use it? Well, yeah. yeah. And also, I was going to say, though, too, like there's a... Like just not being grateful for what we do have because I think I end up comparing not using it because I'm like, well, it's not their talent. Um, but just not being great like the other guys. Like, I mean, I don't know what their you know attitude was, but it yeah. does like it seems like they're motivated. Like they're like, okay, I'm gonna go do something about right. it. Like immediately, there wasn't a whole lot to it. The other guy like actually, yeah, put in like energy into like digging a hole and like hiding it and stuff. But um, <laughs> <laughs> put in the energy, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some like energy, but I think there's like. I don't know. I think there's just like a lack of gratitude. Like if I didn't compare myself to anybody else, like I'd, I'd be so happy to just receive one talent from God. I'm like, yes, this is like, this is it. Like, oh yeah, God gave me this. But because I end up looking at other people, I'm like, ah, I'm not going to do anything. And I think that's important. And I think that's where your motivation has to be serving people yeah. and saying not, and I loved your question, Rhett, not am I the best, ta- most talented, yeah. but can I serve somebody else with my talent? If I can serve, I used to play basketball with little kids in the neighborhood and show them how to play basketball. That's using your talent. You don't have to make a team. You don't have to be a star. 
You just need to use your talent. And since Kiara really got ahead on this one, we're going to go ahead and talk about our next thing is we serve and we're grateful to God. So we use our talent to serve other people when we're grateful for it. So I appreciate Kiara setting that up. Matthew 25, 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So when you look at this passage, just like Kiara talked about, there's a level of enthusiasm here, right? Where he goes, you entrusted me with five bags and guess what? I went and did it. He's talking about the experience of having God give him something that really wasn't his. Uh, then in Matthew 25, we serve when we trust God. So there's two things going on here. Gratitude toward God and trusting God helps us use our talents. A lot of people that don't believe in God, their problem is they struggle for motivation because at some point, just being selfish is not enough to get you motivated. <laughs> at some point, just making money is not enough to make you motivated. At some point, just being innovative is not enough to make you motivated. You can see it, you know, recently we saw yesterday, Apple uh, Corporation, where Johnny, I, Johnny Ives, is it Johnny or Johnny? I forgot. Johnny Ives, he, um, he's, he left the company, and he's going to still do work for them, but he's forming a new company called Love Form, and that's, which sounds really cool, and he's an extremely talented guy. But Wall Street Journal has a great article, and it talks about the fact that, uh, that, 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 that there was some of him leaving, I think, had to do with the loss of his symbiotic relationship with Steve Jobs, that he and Steve Jobs were doing so much creativity together, so much design, and the company has evolved to be more about execution, getting products to market on time, supply chain stuff, and not about design. And so what's happened is I think I'm obviously making a judgment. Don't know. He didn't tell me. I'm just extrapolating from what I read. He lost some of his motivation to be there. I think when we have great talents, medium talents, little talents, whatever it is, we can get unmotivated because we're not grateful to God and we're not trusting God to help us use that talent. This is huge. And it's mm -hmm. what ties into the issue of guilt. I think a lot of times there's things working on us interior, on our interior, that make us not want to use it. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But we serve when we trust God. This is the two bad guy in Matthew 25, 22 to 23. And basically he says the same thing. And I love the response of the master. His master replied to the guy with two bags of gold, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share master's happiness. There's something about God seeing us use our talents here that makes him think I can now give you more to do. Have you ever guys, have you guys ever thought about the idea that, that, that basically life down here is simply a test that yeah. it's just to get us ready for something more later. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. You have Cameron? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's scary a little bit. It's kind of scary. <laughs> it, 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 would, would it be an extraordinary thought to find out that this was just a setup? to get you ready to do something far more important. I like that silence. <laughs> See, when I read my Bible, I'm asking questions. I'm not just assuming I know. And when you look at this, he says, Master reply, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Let's just think about this. I'm not saying this is absolutely it, but I think the speculation is worthwhile. He says, come and share your master's happiness. So there's a getting closer to him and being more intimate with him. He says, I'm going to put you in charge of more. Come with me. I think we make a great mistake if we think that heaven is about simply grabbing our tea, sitting on the proverbial porch in heaven and staring out at life and saying, wow, we made it. I just think when there's a God who loves people, a God who's always looking for how to help people, how to do good, a God who's constantly creating do you really think his goal is that we all just sit there? In Eden, he put all that out there, but what did he say to man? I've given you this to take care of it. Eden is unfinished business. Jesus is about getting it right. I just think the way we use our talents down here, the motivation we have, has a lot to do with whether we were ready for what's next. And I'm not sure that we can make the case that heaven's just about sitting around. I know that all of us think heaven's sitting around, put the TV on, watch the movie, Rhett's right with me with that one, put the TV on, get some popcorn maybe, yeah, you know, coming out of consciousness, a little chocolate, get the feet up, Rhett's doing all this physically, for those who don't know, he's showing us, he's showing us all the moves, but I think that's an exciting thought, whether it's true or not, it's not untrue, it's just that we don't know, but I think most of us have a static view of heaven, you go there, and you kind of party down, sipping on tea, sitting on the porch, 
and maybe it's a constant experience of sunsets or something. <laughs> when mm-hmm. maybe it's about you get there and God's like, good to see you, man. I got a world for you. Yeah. I need I got need you to take care of this world. I just created another one. I mean, who knows, yeah. right? Would that be would that freak you out? Uh, well, that kind of reminds me of like a movie that I watched. Tell I really like uh, Divergent. Yes. <laughs> oh. um, I think the concept of just like the different, um, what are the groups called? I forget. Um, me too. Yeah. Well, well, they're just seg- segregated into different mm-hmm. groups. Yeah. But, yeah. oh yeah, there you go, factions. Um, but then I just think later on in the movies, it's cool because like they find out that the world that they're living in is actually way bigger and there's somebody controlling them. Yeah. And... Yeah, and then, but you know, I think it ended up for bad. Like she, she, the main girl was trying to like. Your overcome. point though is that that movie reveals to you that not everything is as you assume or think it's going to be. Yeah, that's the connection yeah. you're making. Yeah. and the movie The Matrix makes the same point mm-hmm. that right. you're living in this world that you think is so much all of it. And I think a lot of us, the reason we're unmotivated is we don't realize. God's plan, do you think he let his son die just so we can go sit, put our feet up? I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm not, I don't understand heaven. I'm not saying I do. I'm just going, I'm not sure it's about being static. I'm not sure it's about growing spiritually obese and just sucking up heaven and draining it of all its meaning and love because we were so selfish. I think he's teaching us to be unselfish, use our talents. So ask yourself this question if you're sitting out there. Do I trust God enough and am I grateful to God enough to serve other people with my talents? That's a huge thing, and that keeps you pretty excited. We're selfish when we feel guilty. And this is the one I want to close this particular episode of the podcast out on. We're selfish when we feel guilty. And we're going we're gonna to do another podcast for you, so you want to be listening out to talk about how to get out of this. But let's read Matthew 25, 24. And I'm using a different translation, God's Word translation. Then the one who received $2,000 came and said, Sir, I knew that you're a hard person to please. You harvest where you haven't planted and gather where you haven't scattered any seeds. I was afraid, so I hid your $2,000 in the ground. Here's your money. What do you guys think about when you see this? This is the one bag man, but I'm using the $2,000 translation because I want us to look at this thing where he says, I knew that you're a hard person to please. What do you guys think about when you see that passage? I mean, bad view of God. I think the, I think his view of uh, the master is is really uh, that he's hard, that he's that he's you know evil in some kind of way or like uh, harsh or something. And so it makes me think about how I can think about God. Like to be real, it's like I I don't always think he's good, and so I don't trust him with the future, um, anything I'm trying to do, decisions I'm making. I can think about it more um, in t- terms of like okay. I want to get. I, I want this thing, but I think I know the the better way to do it. And I think this guy thought he's like, well, I know. He's like trying to out logic the master. He's like, well, I know this is this is you. <laughs> I know this is true about you. You know, I know how you are. So I, I did the smart thing. It's almost like he's like you can see his pride. Do you think people do that? Do you think people oh, sometimes yeah. think I'm I'm smarter than God? I know God's motive. God's well, telling me to praise him and lift him up. It's because right. he's arrogant. Well, it sounds. It, I mean, certain people think like that, and it sounds ridiculous maybe to say it out loud. But yeah. I'm I do that. I'm sure. Like yeah. I, I I think I know something, but when I really think about it, I'm like, okay, God knows, but, but in my heart and the way that I'm acting, I'm like, I do not trust God. And I'm, I'm the way I'm living the way I'm, I think I, I think the fact that I can like, th- yeah, think I know better or like the way, like, I think that's just, I don't know. It, it sounds crazy when I've said it out loud, but no, I'm like, it's, yeah, it's, I, I think, think we I all can. do it. I think we yeah. all, I think, yeah. I think philosophically yeah. man's whole issue is I want credit. Right. Right. And, 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 and I, I have to have that, and why do I have to share it with God? Right. That's man's whole issue. I mean, we all sit there and go, the prop, I think that, that philosophically, people who don't believe in God don't ever ask this question. What is most at stake if I believe in God? What's most at stake is your superiority. Hmm. More than anything else, if there's a God, man is ratcheted down multiple levels on the important scale. Because he is feeble and fragile, and really, as the scriptures talk about, his breath can be taken away and his whole life ends. That's what the Bible's perspective is. And I think man is constantly railing against the greatness of God when he is not in a humble position. Now, I want to ask you a quick uh, thank you for getting us us on that, Kim. And I want to ask you guys a question. And it's my, obviously, you can see it on the screen we're looking at. My, My position is that the guy's response. Right. is based on seeing what everybody else did. 
from what we can tell, right. the five talent five talent guy runs off and does something. The two talent guy takes the money and goes and does something. And the one talent guy runs and does something. Now, I want you to think about this. You, you know, were you ever in school and, and you had a project? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. when I was in physics class um, in high school, we had a project. You had a, you had a project. You had to, you had to create something. You had to basically invent something. And so you bring your invention in and then you present it to the class. All right. And, and, I, and, and, and that day was a good day for me. It was a good day. I mean, I had a problem. <laughs> that was your subject. My invention. Well, I created a, a parabola mic, mic. Uh, par, 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 parabola mic, which you could aim at somebody like, you know, a long way away and you could record their conversation. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. So I created that. And then I was I went I tested it by going in the neighborhood and aiming it at people <laughs> way down the street wow. and recording their conversation. And then when I went in, <laughs> when I went to class, I was driving. It fell out of my trunk broke so i called my mom and said hey let you know call him and tell him i'm late to school went back home fixed it and then i came in right in time for class and then when i was in class i took it out in the hallway and i said you guys go ahead and just talk and i went around the corner and then i could aim it in there and then i came back in and showed them that i'd recorded their whole conversation so that was my that's that my physics project <laughs> yeah that was, that, it, it worked out pretty well um <laughs> but what happened is that everybody in class thought differently about their project when they saw everyone else's. Right. Totally. I think this guy probably was feeling like, yeah, I hid the money and made sure I didn't lose any. (laughs) I didn't lose it. I'm not going to get in trouble. Those other guys are going to invest it, bet it, lose it all. I'll probably walk in and they'll be like, I'm sorry, my investment was bad. I lost all your money. And the other one, I lost all your money. And I'll go, hey, I hid your money and took care of it. But it didn't work out. Why didn't it work out? Do you know? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Yeah. I mean, I think it didn't work out because he. I mean, he didn't put he didn't put it to work. But he also, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Let me let me ask you a question. If the other guys had lost the money, how would he have looked in this story? Pretty good. Oh yeah, he yeah. looked. He looked awesome. Yeah. yeah. It didn't Smart. work out because the other guys used their talents. Yeah. We always look good if no one uses their talents, right. and you'll notice something in friends. A lot of times you'll get three or four friends together, none of them to use their talents, and that way they feel good. But if someone comes along and says, well, I don't want to be like this, I'm going to use my talent, suddenly the pressure is on everybody else. This guy comes cruising in, and he finds out. First time he shows up, he goes, uh-oh, and notice the order they went. Five-talent guy came in and said, I've used all my talents, and I got you five more, baby. And the master's <laughs> like, yeah, man, come and share my happiness. You're getting a promotion. The guy with two talents doesn't come in complaining that he's three less than the first guy. He's, I used mine too. And the last guy's sitting there watching this. He's watching. That girl got asked to prom. That girl got asked to prom. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Have you ever felt like the one-talent person? that everybody's been doing what they're supposed to do, coming in fired up, and you didn't do it, you got to look on your face, Melissa. Yeah, in class all the time, like when I would forget homework or like somebody <laughs> did better on a project, I was like, oh, we were supposed to do it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Kiara, you've been quiet. Tell us a story. Get us in there. Oh, it's What do you think? Tell us what you're thinking about. You look at okay, your well, I think Kiara's holding back on us, guys. <laughs> I got to... I got a sense she's holding back on us. People out there, I need you to bang your bang your phone, bang your phone against the ground. No. Kara's done this before a podcast. She starts to play it safe and hide her money in the ground. <laughs> well, okay, the part that I was looking at was like I was afraid because I'm like, oh, I do that all the time. Because he's probably like, I, I I can't think of a specific story that's happened so many times in school. Everyone's yep. doing something, but I want to like rationalize it. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I was afraid. I feel this. Like I get really emotional about things. And then, and then he's like almost mad. I don't know. It kind of feels like he's turning it on the god or the person or whatever. Well, he it's is. like, yeah, you're like you're a hard person to please. I can't do. I've totally done that in class. Where I'm now like, this do, teacher's you... impossible. I can never like please her or whatever. What? Really? Yeah. yeah. No, I totally blame everyone that was else. A good story. Oh, okay. Say that again. That the teacher's impossible. Yeah, like the teachers. Like I'll blame like the teacher, or professor. It was like a. It was oh, okay. I do have a story. Accounting in college. Uh, blame the teacher completely i'm like this professor is extremely monotone like he doesn't actually <laughs> teach anything he doesn't know what he's talking about i i actually i never fell asleep in class i would fall asleep in his class but it, the reason was i had no idea what was going on so i feel guilty all the time and that was so i did drop my entire major because of that class because i'm see, like i'm not good at see, this that's a wonderful so let me tell you why that's important number one because you probably think that's bad when it's good because in that moment you figured out what your talents were yeah, not accounting. 
But I'm just saying, <laughs> but you took accounting. I did. And that's a good thing. So did I. But in that moment, we treat failure or not. You didn't fail, but we treat. I don't like it. This isn't working out right. We treat that as some form of failure. Yeah. Instead of some form of discovery. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you looked at life and said, I'm discovering instead of I'm failing. Yeah. If you looked and said, oh, man, I got I got cut from the team. Oh, that's a good thing. Now I know I shouldn't play tennis. Now I'm going to, you know, you kind of talked about it, Cameron. I don't think it's bad to spend, you're a pretty young guy. I don't think it's bad to spend 25, 30 years figuring out what you're going to do. I really right. don't. I don't see what the point, what's the hurry? Right. Mm-hmm. What's the doggone hurry? Let me tell you what, people are going to work. Yeah. I tell people this all the time. They graduate from high school. They're like, I, I mean, college. Go, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do that. I said, dude, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You're 23 years old. You're going to be working for probably 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. No need to hurry to get that job. You're going to be in for 50 years. Right. Now, some people say, well, you won't know one's going to be in 50 years. We're in the gig economy and no one's going to be in the same job for 50 years. Look, a job, if you decide to be an accountant, I don't care if you're an accountant at a snow cone company, accountant at a water company, you're still an accountant. You're still right. doing accounting. I don't care if you start your own business and do people's taxes. You're still an accountant. What's the hurry to get there? Right. Discover something about yourself. Yeah. I love your story because it fits in perfectly with this. See, my feeling is he saw what the guys were doing. He saw they'd use their talents better. He realized he didn't look very good. This is very much like Cain and Abel. When they showed God what they had done for God, God liked Abel's, he didn't like Cain's, and Cain got bent out of shape and killed his brother. And Mm -hmm. in this one, instead of killing his cohorts, the five-talent and two-talent guy, he tries to kill God. He's like, look, you're a hard person. Why? I think he felt guilty right he sat there and went i did nothing these guys actually went off and did something i did nothing and now i feel guilty he did the selfish thing he did the safe thing i'm not going to take a risk i think a lot of christians do that they they i do it we go oh i don't want to take a risk i had one of the guys who listens to the podcast a lot uh and gives me input he says, man, you've been talking about writing a lot. You got to start writing. You got to start writing. Where's it at? I got to see it. And it, it really challenged me. It made me go, yeah, you know, I got to get on it. I got to make time for it. But what it is, is oftentimes my fear of letting go of the things I typically do or whatever, my fear keeps me from doing it. And the next step when you're afraid is you start feeling guilty, you're not doing it, and then you start blaming God. I loved your story with the professor. You start going, well, God isn't giving me the time. That's what I said, God isn't giving me the time. God Mm -hmm. doesn't give me the help. And the next thing you know, you get into this mode where, and it's really, see, I think it's guilt. You're falling asleep in class. You're critical of the professor. Mm -hmm. And I think we're not aware all the time that it makes us feel bad about what we're doing and what we're doing. And the next thing you know, we're guilted out. And we start, guilt makes us say things about God to make us feel better about ourselves. You have a thought rolling through your head. Yeah, there. yeah. Well, I mean, it made me think about what you were saying with the um, when you were comparing yourself to other mm-hmm. people too. Yes. And how um, just it made me think about envy, and he might have saw the servant might have saw these other two guys, and, right. and you can think God's that's unfair. Like he's got these two, you know, this guy's got five, I only got one. Yes. You know, and I think I know that's how I can look at my life now. A lot of times, be like, and you're saying, you know, by twenty five, thirty, you know, you shouldn't be worried about your life, but when when you're seeing everybody else has this. I can blame God in that way and be like, well, it's not fair. They got this, you know, and a lot of time you don't see what they went through to get it that, yep, or whatever. Yep, but, yep. but I think we can, we do compare. I know I compare my life with other people all the time. And I think it's that other perspective you're saying, like where he could have, he could have saw the one and been like, Hey man, I got more than I had and then done something with it. But I think, um, instead he chose to blame God, blame other people. And then that, I think that gives me the excuse when I'm blaming to not do anything with what I have or not do put the work in, not do the service. I think be selfish with what I have, which is ultimately what I did. I think to be, um, I guess, selfless, there is that gratitude. And to have that gratitude, you have to have the perspective that, oh, this was given to me. This was like something yes. I'm appreciative of. Now let me go do something with it rather than, oh, I didn't get enough anyway. This is all I got. It's like it's like acting like, you know, I don't know. It's it's basically not being grateful for what you have because you didn't you you don't appreciate it that you even got it. It's like it's like uh this is like a measly one talent or a measly whatever. <laughs> a measly one. <laughs> yeah. I when agree. it's like when it's like man you you would have got more. You could have done you could have done something with it. But I think that I relate a lot to that because I think I'm an envious guy in that way. Where yes. I wish I had this over here, um, with this other person has or it seems to come easier to these people and I can blame God for that too. So I got a question for you guys and I hope everybody buys and we'll talk more about it in another podcast about the guilt. We'll pick back up on that. But how many 
talents can you guys name? For ourselves? Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna oh, play. I'm gonna play a game. I'm gonna play a game. <laughs> I'm gonna play a game to close. Everybody's got to name a talent, and the first one to Ooh. not be able to name a talent is out. All right. And Nathan, our producer, is gonna try to keep track, and we're gonna figure out after we name these talents. We're gonna name these talents for ourselves. We're gonna name these talents for people listening, so they can pick one and say, "Yeah, I'm good at that," and that's a talent. Now we're gonna do legit talent. We're not gonna do the ones like I said before, like I wake up in the morning on oh. time. That's not gonna be a talent. <laughs> that's gonna be a work ethic. Okay. But you okay. got to name a talent, all right? It's got to be a good talent. And anybody who repeats or anybody who hesitates is immediately out. All right? We'll do three rounds. Go, Cameron. Creativity. Music. Oh, I'm out. Okay. Communication. <laughs> Planning. I'm out. I'm out. Go, no, oh, you said, okay. What's Planning. Organizing. All right. <laughs> oh, Melissa's out. Okay. Leading. All right. Oh, I, I, was, I was mine. You're out. <laughs> Focus. Relationships, friendships. Oh, that was a quick one. No, wait, wait. Kiara's got to hit one more. Oh, to truly go ahead. Uh, coding. I don't know. That is. That's a town. That's a town. You know what? You know what? You know what's fun? I think we so much don't know what the talents are. Yeah. And we need to spend time with our yeah. friends sitting down going, let's talk about the talents. We tried to cover a lot today if you're out there listening. We could have done a better job in some areas, but you know what? The primary goal of deep spirituality is to get you started, not to do everything for you. You know, we, we, we got you the cereal. We bought it at the store. We got you a bowl. We got you a spoon. But we need you at least to put the cereal in the bowl and to get some milk and drop it in there. So you got to do a little bit. So don't be, don't be asking for more. Take what you got and do even more with it. All right. I think my producer's telling me I need to do something with the closing section. Is that right? The one. That, 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 oh, yeah. Highlighted in, highlighted in yellow. I got to I got to do the closing section. OK. He, he's got me saying here a uh, character in Bible study. All right. Uh, one character is Cameron. He's a character. Uh, that's for. No, just kidding. All right. Character in Bible study. What we're talking about here is you can take a look at. For having a rebel heart is what we're talking about. Um, well, let me just think about this for a minute. Okay. So the way we did this first is we really basically tried to talk to you about understanding your talents, knowing why you use your talents and how much guilt can come into your life when you don't use your talents. And I think it's that guilt from not using your talents that gives you a signal to the fact, as Cameron mentioned, that you have a terrible view of God. And I have that a lot in my life still to this day. Um, and so what we want to look at is some people who had interesting views of God. Jonah is one of them. Esau and Jacob comparing their relationship with God and their view of God. Pharaoh and Moses, their view of God. Get in your Bible and pick out a couple of people or one person who had an interesting view of God. Or pick out someone like Mordecai and Esther in the book of Esther, where Mordecai helped Esther adjust her view of God. She didn't think she needed to be heroic, but Mordecai said, look, no, that's what God's called you to. God's a God who calls people to use their talents. And Esther is a tremendous book about using your talents, not believing. I don't think she thought she was a queen. I don't think she thought she was necessarily beautiful. I don't think she thought she was going to be someone who could talk to a king. Um, None of that. But she ended up being the perfect person for it. And she generally changed the world. As far as movie recommendations uh, uh, with regard to using your talents and understanding how the talents can can make your, you know, your guilt go wrong. We want to get back to what's that movie you were talking about, Melissa? Invergent? Divergent. Divergent. I can't remember. So Divergent. Now, that's I, I love that movie series. Some people don't like it. But remember what Melissa was talking about. That's a movie where you're trying to understand that the reality you're living in is not the ultimate reality. And what we're saying today is, hey, we need to think about heaven more often. And heaven may not be this leisurely place. I mean, I think it's going to be leisure. It's going to be fun. But it may not be this do-nothing place that sometimes we think about, where we work real hard down here and then do nothing later. Maybe it's a place we go where we really actually do some amazing things and some some multi-world changing things. Uh, Rogue One is a recommendation. Uh, Hunger Games, we're getting some interesting ones. Those are recommendations. That's on my list for my producer. I don't know why those are good recommendations. I think Rogue One's a pretty good movie, but I'll give there it to always, you. There were people who rebelled, uh, but then they figured out what they were good at and oh. it liberated and freed people because oh, okay. they s stopped running from who they were oh. and like, it actually helped people. Oh, okay. All <laughs> right, all right. I like that. I like that. Then maybe you want to watch Creed 1 and Creed 2. That might be good yeah. for that. You could check out Creed. I think you want to watch Good Will Hunting. Good Will Hunting's perfect for that, about being a rebel. You want to watch The Breakfast Club. Melissa's got another one. School of Rock. School of Rock. I love that movie. <laughs> it's loud, though. So if you're a little older, you might want to you might want to prepare emotionally for that, take a nap. 
uh, before you watch that. I love School of Rock, and I love Jack Black. I mean, that movie is so inspiring. It really, it's a funny, I, well, I could go on and on and on about it. And a music recommendation, one of my favorite songs, Rebel Heart by Lauren Daigle. We hope that listening to this podcast made you think, if I can get my relationship with God to be more positive, and if I can get my fear under control, if I can spend time figuring out my talents, if I can get my motive on straight to want to serve instead of be selfish, then I can maximize the use of my talents and make a difference in this world in an incredible way. Whether you have one talent, five talents, whether you think your talent's cool or not, whether you're the best at your talent or not, it doesn't matter. Find your talent, get your relationship with God stronger, and let God use it. We look forward to visiting with you again on Despirituality. There'll be another incredible podcast coming up in the future. Don't forget to go to www deepspirituality.net to read articles and take a look there. You can also find our YouTube channel and go and subscribe everywhere you can. Just spend your whole time subscribing. Uh, you can uh, also rate our uh, podcast. Give us five stars, please. If you don't want to give us five stars, give us five stars anyway, because you're a good person trying to use your talents. And in this case, you have the talent to star us up. All right. Have a good one. We'll see you soon. And don't forget, the Warriors are not yet done. D'Angelo Russell's a playoff. <laughs>